You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Awesome. Well, we're in a free week in the life of church. What that means in English is that we're not in a series right now. And I get to bring a word that's hot on my heart, a word in season, a word in uh, appointed for a moment such as this. And this is a message for me that I uh, penned about four years ago in 2019. I preached it three times, once here at a CU in Northern Ireland, it's somewhere else. And I'm really believing that God's got a, a fresh word for you today, wherever you've come from, whatever place, whatever stage of life you're in. My Bible says that God's word is sharp, it's alive, and it's active, powerful, that's sharper than a double-edged sword. And today, God's word is going to cut through and is going to bring some change and some transformation in our lives. My message today is called Think Bigger, Live Larger. Think Bigger, Live Larger. Bible says this in Isaiah 54, verses two to three in the NIV. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. This is a word that God spoke to me on a Wednesday when I was in Gloucester praying about moving to Chester. And that day, God confirmed it with his word and I relocated my life. In the message version, I love how Eugene Peterson puts it, says, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. There's a link between large living and big thinking. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Do not hold back. You're not going to come up short. Think bigger, live larger. Wonder if you had a moment in your life where you thought too small. There was a show years ago when I was growing up, and it was on the channel CITV. Anybody remember CITV? Any millennials in the room remember CITV? And there was a show on CITV. There was many. There was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for one, but there was an awesome show called Art Attack. Way, <laughs> what a response, Art Attack. What a great show. I guess the premise for those of you that don't know about Art Attack is it's, it's a show all about PVA glue. Doesn't matter what has happened in life, PVA glue is the answer. Broken leg, PVA glue. Drama in the family, PVA glue. You want to put something together, PVA glue. And they had once a week this competition where kids from all over the country would do their drawings, they would send them in, they would showcase a couple of them on TV, and they'd give out prizes. And man, I was so excited. I thought, you know what, here's an opportunity for me. And if you know me, you'll know I'm not great at art. In fact, you'll have heard already that my technology teacher calls me the boy with feet for hands. I hold my pen in a certain way that I've only met two other people in the world that hold it like I do. If we were to measure my dexterity level out of 10, I would be a negative five. That is how good I am at art and design. But nonetheless, I had a little bit of faith. I 
cultivated, created my masterpiece. I sent in to CITV. And you know what? If I'm honest, there's no chance they were going to show this thing on TV, this monstrosity. No chance. But I was sitting, it was dinner time. I was eating in front of the TV. And there on TV is my drawing. My jaw hit the floor. Couldn't believe it. There's my drawing. My drawing, Caleb, on art attack. Me, the boy with feet for hands. Me on art attack. Praise the Lord. I wasn't even a Christian. I was praising God. It was that good. And then they said this. They turned it round to the back of the sheet of paper and said, we apologize, but the young boy or girl that has drawn this masterpiece hasn't put their name and address on it, so we can't send out a prize and a certificate. Got it! Beyond all belief. Couldn't believe it. My moment is gone. That one chance to show the technology teacher what Art Attack thought of my drawing, gone. All because I thought too small. Didn't put my name and address on the back. And I think for all of us, in Christianity, we all are in need of a good injection, a good dose of big thinking. In fact, small thinking is ingrained into our culture. It's easy to default to negativity, to pessimism. It's easy to think small. But in reality, realism is just negativity in disguise. Oh, but Pastor Lee, I'm not thinking too small. I'm not thinking too negatively. I'm just being realistic. Negativity dresses itself in an attractive outfit called realism. But the danger for us today is that if we live realistically, we'll live small-minded, we'll think small, we'll dream small, we'll be small, and we'll be bound up, and we'll never achieve and accomplish the incredible things that God has planned for us. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. We don't live in the realm of realism. We live in the realm of faith. And I want to suggest today, each one of us, no matter how young you are, how old you are, we need to activate the neural pathway in our brains today to think bigger and live larger. I want to give you three things today we all need to do to think bigger and live larger. The first one is dream again. Turn to your neighbor and say, dream again. Dream again. Dream again. We pick up the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 starting at verse five. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. That's a great start, isn't it? He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding up sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream and what he had said. Verse 19, they see him from a distance and say, here comes that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal has devoured him. We'll, we'll then see what comes of his dreams. But a dream in one place is defined as a contemplation of possibility. And I think Joseph's dream was far more than that. It wasn't just a mere contemplation of possibility. In fact, it was the contemplation of impossibility. Let's catch up the speed of Joseph's story. Joseph, after this moment, was put in a pit by his brothers, 
the slave traders came around, took Joseph into slavery. He went from the pit to the prison, spent years there. But God had given him this word. God had given him this dream. God had given him this vision. And he finds himself in the pit, in the prison. And then many years later, Joseph finds himself in the palace conducting the affairs of Egypt as the prime minister. Here comes that dreamer, his brothers said to him. His brothers declared over his life. And the reason they did that was because they were insecure. They were insecure of the God dreams of Joseph because it intimidated their small thinking. And what dreams do is this. Dreams intimidate small thinking. Dreams transform culture. Dreams put the devil to shame. Dreams change nations. Dreams impact society. Dreams have the power and potential to make a way where there was no way before. It was a dream that caused a 20-something-year-old Jackie Pullinger to buy a one-way ticket to Hong Kong with nothing more than $10 in her pocket to start up some youth hospitals hostels in the opium drug capital of the world in Hong Kong housed 200 people and led gang members to Jesus, all because of a dream. But somewhere along the way, church, we grow up. Somewhere along the way we grow up, we stop dreaming. We stop imagining. We start living realistically. And instead of fanning into flame the gift of God, we dodge the raging fire of our dreams with a water bucket filled half empty with disbelief and realism, convincing ourselves it's better not to play with fire because we'll only get burnt. Audacious church, it is time to dream again. The Bible says in Acts 2.17, God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. His sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Dreams and visions aren't signs of what is. They are signs of what could be. The Holy Spirit was given for enlarged thinking, expansion, miracle thought process, innovation, creativity, imagining. So we wouldn't operate in the way that things were, but would step into the new thing that God is doing. Audacious Church, what do they say about you? Do they say from a distance, here comes that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer. If you can dream, you will step into miracle territory as you begin to think bigger and live larger in Jesus' name. The second thing we need to do to live, think bigger, live larger, is to find a way. Is to find a way. Someone once said this, If it matters, you'll find a way. If it doesn't matter, you'll find an excuse. Bailey's Blossoms Company started and founded by a mum with six kids from her kitchen table, grew it into a seven-figure business, had every excuse not to, but found a way. Martin Luther, the leader of the Great Reformation, said this, I have so much business to attend to that I must pray for at least three hours every single day. Had every excuse not to, but find a way. Many of us want to live a large life for God, but are held captive in the prison of our excuses. Oh, I would, but I'm too young. I would, but I'm too old. I would, but I don't have the money. 
I would, but I don't have the education. I would, but I don't have the time. I would, but I don't have the ability. I would, but I don't have the ideas. I would, but I don't have the relationships. David, too, had every excuse not to go up and face Goliath. David in the Bible is bringing food to the front line of the Israelite army. They're fighting the Philistines, and for 40 days straight, Goliath, the nine-foot-tall giant, has come out to the front line, and he has intimidated and scared the whole Israelite army, so much so that they've ran away back to the camp. They 40 days coming out, going back, coming out, going back. And David shows up on the scene and starts to inquire, what will be done for the man who defeats Goliath? David says this to Saul in 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. He says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go up and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight this Philistine. You're only a young man. Great excuse. And he has been a warrior from his youth. Great excuse. Saul the king, Saul the CEO, Saul the boss has told David, you are too young and inexperienced. David's older brother in verse 28, Eliab says to him, when David inquires, he says, you've got a wicked heart. Go back and look after the sheep. The whole Israelite army, thousands of people, were in great fear and ran. David had every excuse not to take on Goliath. But instead of looking for an excuse, David found a way. And in verse 40, the Bible says this, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five small, smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. David moved from making excuses to finding a way. David thought bigger, David led larger, and with nothing more than a slingshot and some stones, took down the nine foot tall Goliath and won the victory for the Israelite army. Today, church, I wonder, where have you replaced the large thinking of solutions with the small thinking of excuses? David had every excuse not to fight Goliath. But David found a way. God is speaking to each one of you about something in your world. And it seems like a giant, nine foot tall, looks impossible, a mountain that looks too high to climb. And it's easy for us to look to the excuse, but God's prompting us to think bigger, live larger, and find a way. The third thing we need to do to think bigger, live larger, is this, is attempt the impossible. Attempt the impossible. William Carey, a Christian missionary, said this, if you expect great things from God, then you've got to attempt great things for God. Luke 18, 27, Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. God. Comes a point where big thinking has to be translated into big living. Comes a moment where we've got to make an exchange where the dreams become reality. And what today is the impossible that God wants to make possible through you? Three months ago it was Culture Summit Conference in our Manchester campus. And every year we gather hundreds of pastors and leaders all across Europe, some from South Africa, Americas and beyond. 
to come for a day and a half of teaching, equipping, inspiration. And I penned a message called Street Called Struggle many months before I, in fact, I preached it here beforehand. And Pastor Glenn calls and asks me, will I preach that message at Culture Summit in front of 400 pastors, leaders, peers? And God challenged my heart and said, I want you to do it with no notes. I said, are you kidding? In front of everybody that I admire, look up to giants in the faith, no notes. It was impossible for me. But I said, yes, God, if you've called me to it, then God, I'll do it. So I stood up on a platform, delivered a message to 400 pastors. It was a Ephesians 3.20 moment in my life. It once was impossible for me, but made possible through God. A month ago, I had laryngitis. I couldn't speak without coughing. Came to church in the pre-service prayer meeting, couldn't speak without coughing, and got Malcolm to pray for me. And then I got up and preached and didn't cough once during the message. What is impossible for me made possible through God. Today, church, what are the impossible things in your life that God wants to make possible through you? You've got to dream again. You've got to find a way. You've got to attempt the impossible. Impossible with man, but possible with God. A location in North Wales. Impossible with man, but possible with God. 800 youth on a youth tour in February here. Impossible with man, but possible with God. A new building one day that we own and is ours and has our name on the deed. Impossible with man, but possible with God. Audacious worship, heard in nations we don't even know the name of. Impossible with man, possible with God. Our worship leaders getting Grammys on the global platform, honoring Jesus, lifting up God. Impossible with man, but possible with God. What have you said is impossible? God wants to say, dream again. What have you said God can't do? And God says, you can do. What have you stepped out in your own strength to do? But God says, let me inject the Holy Spirit and go again in the power of God. Chronicles says it like this. Chapter 16, verse nine. It says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth, looking for people who are fully committed to Him in order to strengthen their hearts. If you can commit to it, God will get you to it and through it. But you've got to attempt the impossible. But it starts with a dream. What are those dreams today that have died? What are those dreams that you've lost hope for? Who are those family members you've stopped praying for? What's that business you've lost hope on? What's that friend in uni's name that you see as a million miles away from God? Dream again. Oh, but you don't understand, it's difficult, it costs money, it's beyond my ability, my capability, my reach, my knowledge, my skill set. Find a way through the power of the Holy Spirit and then attempt the impossible. Peter stepped out on the water, walked on water, but then started to drown in his unbelief. Esther approached the king and saved a nation, but went trembling before the king because the law said, if he had not summoned her, she would die. Thomas the apostle was martyred in India for his faith, but as we all know, denied the resurrection. We all have times when we attempt the impossible and we waver in our faith. But all we have to do is with our shoulders back, our head up, 
with a little bit of faith and one foot in front of the other. God will, like Peter, cause us to walk on the water of our doubts and our unbelief. Like Esther, he'll bring us before the presence of those with influence and will save nations. Like Thomas will step into continents that don't yet know the gospel and bring the gospel of Jesus. All if we think bigger and live larger. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.